invite you to turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. The, there are the Bibles there in the seats. If you'd like to turn there, it'll be on the screen in a few minutes. Um, if you don't have a Bible and you'd like one, please take them. It's not stealing. Um, we're just giving them away. We like to buy Bibles, so you can take them. If you want to give them to a friend, go ahead. As you turn there, um, years ago, our family, uh, well, my wife's family, so my family, uh, we used to go to Maine for vacation. Anybody been to Maine? Anybody ever been to Maine? Beautiful, beautiful, awesome. We used to go to a place called Ellsworth, which is like on the way to Bar Harbor, so about, about 45 minutes outside of Bar Bahaba. Bahaba, about 45 minutes outside, and it was, uh, it was awesome, loved it, it was peaceful, uh, there were no people, so if you're going on vacation and you're from Jersey, it's like the perfect place, there's just nobody around, it was a great place to disconnect, they did not have Wi-Fi, barely had cell service, um, it was just, it was amazing, uh, at the back door of the house, it was, a, it was on a lake, it was on Graham Lake, so if any of you know Graham, there's, I actually found a picture there is a picture of that. This is an old picture. I was probably taken with a flip phone. And this is like 14 years ago. So it was a long time ago. Um, uh, we could, you could fish. I'm not the biggest fisherman, but you could fish. Uh, Anna's brother and dad, they spent time fishing out there. You could kayak and just go out there. It was a lot of fun. Um, <clears throat> and about 50 feet out into the lake, uh, from the shore, you see on the left there, that's, that's like a rock, like this boulder sticking out of the, sticking out of the lake. Um, and uh, there was a little, little orange buoy next to it. My wife knows where I'm going with this, because on the shore, there were a bunch of, like, perfect skipping rocks, like, perfect. Oh, man. After about two or three hours, I got tired of skipping rocks um, and decided that it would be a, a really good idea to try and hit the rock with, with a little rock. How many rocks do you estimate that I threw into that lake? I mean, we're probably... Definitely in the hundreds, perhaps in the thousand. I mean, it, it was days. And like every time I would just, I just, I was going to hit that rock. I was going to hit that rock. And uh, eventually, I hit the rock. It was amazing. It was like euphoria. It was absolute, oh, it was, it was the coolest thing. And then it meant it was time to now try and aim for the buoy because that was smaller. And uh, so, we ca I mean, I, I probably threw out my shoulder, long-term damage, but it was just I couldn't stop, um, and she, it's, it's one of the ingredients God put in me that you can, you can ask any, anybody in my family, um, that there's this determination in me to achieve when I set out to do something. I can be pretty fixated, um, like there's, there's psychological terms for people like me, right? Like there's, there's, <laughs> there are words for that, whether it's a puzzle, um, a plate of pasta, or a book, right? I have to finish. I have to do what I set out to do. Some of you, some of you are wired that way, right? You'd hate leaving things undone. Like right now in the back of your head, you can think of things that you haven't finished and it's bugging you. It's bugging you. We, we tried to just replace the globes in our, in our kitchen um, light fixture. And um, my wife and I have a difference of tastes and I apparently have no taste. And so I have tried to, and it was, it's been, and I just can't stop. And so I keep buying new ones and I have to keep returning them because they're terrible. But I can't stop because I can't just leave it undone. We had to, and so finally, uh, this weekend, uh, Friday, we, we got some. Oh, whew, I can sleep now until the next thing happens that's undone. But that's, it's me. I've got this weird little thing in, in me. And that quality for good or for, has been actually a good asset in my life. It's been a good quality. It's helped me in lots of ways. It's helped me persevere through challenging and difficult times. That drive to finish, to keep going. 
um, it's been very, very valuable in my life. But you all know, like anything, any good quality has a dark side to it. And there's a vulnerability in me with it. And here it is. There's this little voice in me that constantly tells me, if I try hard enough or stick with it long enough, I can do it. Right? If I don't quit, if I keep throwing rocks, eventually I'm going to hit it. And the problem is it's simply not true. <laughs> um, not every problem or challenge can be solved by effort. Uh, Shana preached about this a few, a few weeks ago, if you remember, maybe a month or two ago. I can't will things into being. Like things that are not, I can't just will them into being, and I will try. I have tried. I continue to try. I can't will people to change. Anybody ever try that? Yep. How'd it go? I can't even will myself to change. See, there's this tension for people of faith because we know that anything of value in this life can only be accomplished by the power of God. We say this. We know this. Not by might, not by power, but by his spirit. It's only God that gets things done. Yet we also know that we have a, a part to play. We've identified this year as sort of our theme, right, as a, as a year of faith in action, right? That's part of our, that's part of our language, right? Faith in action. That's, that's something we've, we've said. So we have a responsibility to participate. So everything happens by God, but we've got a responsibility to, to, to engage here. So the question is, how does that work? How, does the, how do those play together? How do we fully rely on the power of God and simultaneously fully put our faith in action? Like, we can talk about it, but how does that work? Like, what does that look like? Like, who does what? It can't mean we just sit around and do nothing because God's going to do it. And it can't also mean that we do it all so we take responsibility. So where's the balance? There's a tension in there. And I don't know if you feel it, but I feel that every single day. Like, God, I want this to be done. I feel like I've got to play a part in this, yet I know that you're the only one that's going to do it. So I feel like I'm stupid here, but I want to do something, and you're telling me I should do something, but then I, I, it's like mental gymnastics. And you're like, this is, I'm like all twisted up. Like, God, can you just do it or something? Like, just, I don't understand. Last week, we explored, we've been studying this series of awakening, saying, I feel like it's time for God to sort of awaken things in us. We explored what it means to win at life. Remember this? We talked to, did we win? What does it mean to win at life? And we discovered that God has told us that winning means salvation. That's winning. You want to know what winning life, it means that, that when you get to the end, you hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant, and you receive eternal life. That's winning. Nothing beyond that. That's the pinnacle of winning. We can win at lesser things, but that's the utmost. That's what Jesus came for, salvation. That's winning. We read the scripture from Romans 13, 11. It says this. This is all the more urgent for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up. For your salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. Clearly God is telling us to wake up and to do something. There's action implied here. He says, wake up. You've got to do something. 
Salvation is almost here. Remove your dark deeds and put on shining armor. I don't know about you, but I live in like New Jersey, 2023, and so often the scriptures communicate in metaphors. They're true and they're helpful, but they can leave us with a lot of questions. And if we're not careful, we can just say, yeah, that's great and move on because we don't get it. It doesn't actually have any bearing in our life. We don't know what to do with it. Like, what does that look like in, in life today? How many of you threw off your dark deeds today? Everybody, you threw off your dark deeds? Like, anybody got your armor on? You know, like, like we know those words, but like, what? The life of faith is a gift. I couldn't imagine walking through this world without it. Knowing that God knows me and loves me, I mean, it changes things. The life of faith, I couldn't do this life without God. Yet inherent in the life of faith is this sense of the unknown. There's something in here that it's, it's constantly searching for and trying to understand what we don't know. We're constantly wrestling, trying to figure it out. So here's the thing. We know what winning is. It's salvation. Yeah, we get that. Okay, theologically understood. Okay, but what does winning life actually look like? Like, okay, we can say that, but what does it look like? If winning is salvation, and that is here now, though not yet fully, like salvation is something, we're saved, but it's really going to come on the day of salvation. If you need clarity on that, you can go listen to last week. But how do we live the winning life now until that day comes? What does that look like? What does it actually look like to throw off dark deeds and put on shining armor? So that's going to be our aim for tonight. To put some skin on these action steps. To, have, to leave here clear about what that looks like in each one of our lives. All right, so that's, the, that's, that's you know, right up front. That's what we're going to try and do. Try and walk out of here going like, okay, I know how to throw off dark deeds and I know how to put on shiny armor. You sound good? Oh, I can't wait. Oh, it's going to be awesome. So let's start with throwing off dark deeds, removing dark deeds. Um, dark deeds don't need like a ton of description. Uh, we probably can guess what they are. Like if I had a survey and said, tell me what you think a dark deed is, I'm pretty sure we could come up with a good list, right? Like, how, like arrogance, greed, selfishness, uh, envy, malice, hatred, deception, apathy, right? All the bad stuff. Like we, sin, right? We can agree. Dark deeds are sin. It's the bad stuff. Anytime we violate what we know is right, that's a dark deed. Anytime we ignore that internal compass that guides us, that's a dark deed. Anytime we do what we know we're not supposed to do. Ah, I probably shouldn't be doing this right now. Dark deed. There you go. Pretty simple. Sin thrives in the dark. That's why it's uses the words dark in front of it. Sin grows in the dark. It's in, in hiding. We cover it. We don't want anybody else to know. We do it in secret. You know, it's usually internal. Shame can be covered in the dark. If you want to win and ensure salvation promised to you, very simply, stop it. Stop doing that. Throw off those dark deeds. Paul equates dark deeds to dirty clothes. Dirty clothes. There you go. If you work out and get sweaty, some of you, you don't have to raise your hand, but if you get sweaty, you know what it's like to peel off some dirty clothes. Right? If you're working in the yard, doing some yard work, or you're doing some, something where you're just, the job requires that you're just getting filthy, whether you're covered in sawdust or grease or mud or whatever it is, Right, And you, you know, 
like those clothes are gross. Like, you know, like when you came in and your mom's like, don't even walk in the house. Take them off right now, right? They're smelly, they're awful, and you, 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 you just like, you don't even want them to touch your skin as you're taking them off. You know what I'm talking about? Like it's really dirty clothes. And you throw them in your laundry pile. Here's the thing. Dirty clothes don't take themselves off. Require removal. Like little kids, they run around. Filthy. You got to grab them. <laughs> you got you to pull them up because they don't know how to get up. They need help getting it up. You've got to actively take off. You've got to choose to stop doing those things. It's not just going to happen. So the removing of dark deeds, it's really only in your hands. Nobody else can do it for you. Nobody else can say, hey, stop doing that. You've got to choose, and I've got to choose. Paul is saying when you know what's right and what's wrong, we've got to refuse to do the wrong. Say, throw it, not just drop it. That's just, you know, just tossing your socks, you know, in the laundry basket, you know, yeah, I made it, you know, a nice shot. No, this is throwing them away. There's no place for this in my life. Throw off the dark deeds. Now, that's really more the simple one. Now we're going to get to the second part because the, the dark deeds, we kind of get that. That's, that's pretty intuitive for us. But the whole putting on the shining armor of right living, mm. in contrast to the darkness, right? Right living says it thrives in the light. There's no secrets. There's no hiding. And Paul uses the analogy of a Roman soldier. Uh, scholars theorize that perhaps Paul, as he's writing this, he was, he was under house arrest. So there's a very good chance that there was a literal soldier in the room guarding him. So as he's writing this, he's like, all right, that's what he's wearing. All right, I'm just going to, yeah, just, let's just go with this. You know, you ever, you ever play that game? Like, you know, I see something red. You know, let's guess. You know, what is it? You know, it's because it's right there. Well, he's got a soldier right there. So he just kind of goes with this, and he illustrates how to live right. And we read this in Ephesians chapter 6. Again, if you're there, you can read along. It'll be on the screen. And he says this, a final word. So this is the end of the book. Paul's written this whole letter. We've talked about Ephesians. It's a letter he wrote to all these churches. It was a circular letter meant to be passed around. So it really would be meant to even like a group like us today. It was just meant for the church at large. And when he says a final word, that means he's coming to the end. He's coming to the point, the point of everything he's been writing. And here's what he says, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Verse 13. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. And here it comes, verse 14. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times. And on every occasion, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Just a few thoughts here. 
the armor we are to put on belongs to God. Just think about this. It means it's his. It means it's pretty good stuff, right? It's pretty quality. It means you don't make it, you can't buy it, you can't earn it. You receive it. It's a gift. God gives it to you. So God is giving you armor. So he's giving you things. Just put it that way. Because armor is just, again, it's a weird word. He's giving you stuff. And the fact that God gives it means that you probably need it. If God's going to give you something, don't you think that maybe it's important? Right? David tried to go into battle. Remember David Goliath? A story. David goes into battle and Saul says, here's my armor. And David says, I don't need it. Not helpful to me. It's only going to hold me back. Right? And he goes out. It, it was a bad fit. He tried Saul's armor. It was not good. God is saying, no, no, you need this one. Armor up. You ever have someone give you advice about what to wear and you didn't listen? Put on a coat. You're going to be cold. And stubborn you's like, I don't need a coat. You're shivering out there. And you're like, ah, you know? Or bring an umbrella. Ah, it's not going to rain. Oh, man. Yep. If God says put on armor, you should probably put on some armor. If he says you're going to need this, you're probably going to need it. So here's the question, why? Why do we need armor? Why do we need this imagery, this war imagery? Why do we need that sort of metaphor in our life? And here's the point, Paul says, you're in a war. And it's not just a physical war. It's not just a war for your body, although the older you get, we're in a war for our body, right? Ibuprofen for the win, right? And, and I got, what's what that called? Where's Tony? Where's, where's the stuff? What's it called? Bunkers? Where, where's Tony? Bunkers. Unkers. I don't know what this stuff is. It's Amish. It's, it's got like menthol and uh, I don't even know what's in this stuff. But let me tell you, I'm putting it on my shoulder. I'm putting it on my knee. And I will take it because I'm in a war against my body right now. Right? So we have, but, but it's not just a physical body, a physical war that we're in. We're in a spiritual war. We're in a mental war. Anybody? You know anybody struggling with mental health right now? We are in a mental war right now. We're in a, an emotional war. We're in a relational war. A war for all of our being. That's why God's telling you, wake up. Armor up. You're in a war. This is not... A game. Wake up. Next week, we're going to take some time to explore the enemy. But for now, I want to just suffice to say, the enemy is highly strategic and will do whatever it takes to keep you from God because the enemy simply wants you to lose. The goal of the armor is very clear. It's to help you stand firm against whatever comes. You know what the goal is not? The goal is not to go out there and start killing everybody. And no, no, he just says your goal is just to stand firm. Hold ground. Because guess why? You're saved. You know what that means? You've won. You're not fighting for victory, right? We've talked about this so many times. You're not fighting for victory. You are fighting from victory. Your goal is to stand your ground. Give nothing back. God has already won it all for you. Your job is just to stand in what you've already been given. So can I ask you, do you ever feel attacked? In the last 
24 hours? Do you feel like there are forces trying to get you? You can maybe put a name on some of those forces. You can name people. But I can tell you, he says, you're not wrestling against people. You're not fighting against people. You may think that that person is the enemy that's coming after you, but it's not that person. There's an enemy behind them that's just getting them to get you. You ever feel like there's somebody trying to discourage you? Or life's trying to frustrate you? To take from you? To rob joy from you? Here's the thing. That's because they are. There are forces actively trying to get you. I've shared this with so many young people. You are walking out into battle. And if you don't have armor on, you are walking out naked. God's telling you, hey, you need some armor. You need something to guard yourself because there's an enemy out there. And here's the thing. They're not more powerful than God. Those, those, those spirits that are trying to get you, some people get super spiritual and they're like, oh, they're trying to always figure out what the spirits are doing. And then there's people that are like, I don't believe in spirits at all. Right? This is all hocus. This is all weird. And you know what Paul says? He says, you're both missing the point. Yeah, there are spirits. No, you're not supposed to focus on them. All you need to know is that you need God because there are forces out there. You don't need to focus on them. You just need to focus on what God has given you and you're good. Stay grounded. If you want to win, you can't will yourself there. You're going to need God's armor. We have such a good God. 2 Peter 1.3 By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Here's the point. God has given you everything you need to win. How do we win? God says, I've given it all to you. We're going to really quick just go through the armor here. I know it's late. I'm trying to get there. It's almost kickoff. I know. Here we go. Just some very practical gifts God has given you and me precisely for the moments when you sense attack. He says, here's the thing. Here's what you need. First, belt of truth. In a world of misinformation, God has given us the gift of absolute truth. The truth originates with God. We don't determine it. It's not like you're, he says, hey, you go find truth. He says, no, I will give you the truth. I will show you the truth. I will hand you the opportunity. You will, you will know what it is. You will recognize it. That's protection for you. We're not charged with deciding what is true. <laughs> He's already told us what is true. Our job is simple. Uphold the truth. Stand in the truth. That's it. Tie it around you. God has given you the ability to recognize what is true. If you want to win, strap on the belt of truth and throw off the dark and dirty lies. That's it. The enemy is going to attack where you are vulnerable to seek to create doubt in the truth that you have heard. Cinch that belt tight. Let truth hold you together. I'm telling you, this world is trying to feed us so many things. God says, hey, look at me. Look at me. I've given you truth. Just hold on to it. Second, he says, I've given you the body armor or the chest plate of, of righteousness. Righteousness is a good church word. It means doing what's right. Like we've said in the past, you've got a compass. God said, I gave you a compass. You're going to know what to do. It's rare that we don't know what's right to do. It's more often that we just don't want to do it. You know what you're supposed to do. God is telling you you're in a war. The enemy wants to violate your conscience. He wants you to, to do things that you know are not right so you'll feel guilty and bad and they'll separate yourself from God because you'll run because you're ashamed. Yeah, you don't think so? That's exactly what happened in the very beginning. Adam and Eve. First thing they did, I knew it was right. I did what was wrong. And now I want to hide from God. 
Same story, told over and over and over and over and over again till today, still, still being told. The enemy wants you to do what you know is not right, and God says, hey, I got it really simple for you. Here, put on this, put on this armor. Here's your armor. Do what you know is right. He's not literally telling you to put on armor. He's telling you just to do what's right. Do what you know is right. We're being told how to win. It's just whether we are willing to do it. God also gives us the shoes of peace. Now, listen, I love shoes. I have a problem. Right? I could buy a lot of shoes, mostly sneakers. I like boots too, but mostly sneakers. There's nothing like new sneakers. Yeah, amen? Anybody else? I mean, new sneakers smell. Oh, I like new sneakers. When I play basketball, I'm not looking for the coolest looking shoes. I'm looking for the most comfortable shoes. Right now, my basketball sneakers have Bugs Bunny on one shoe and Lola the rabbit from Space Jam on the other. Uh, my daughter helped me pick them out, but it wasn't because of looks. It's because they feel great. They feel great on my feet, and I don't care what they look like. Um, don't judge me. It's okay. You're already doing it, I know. You can tell a lot about how comfortable a person is by their feet. You can tell a lot about a person by their feet. Nervous people, they kind of they move a lot. You know, what you say? football playoffs are on right now. You know what they talk about a nervous quarterback? They use a, they use a, they use a phrase called happy feet. Happy feet. It's not about the Penguin movie. No, it's, happy feet means that the quarterback is nervous and they're, 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 they don't know what to do, and so they're, they're constantly kind of doing like this. They're moving a lot. God says, I will give you peace to keep your feet still, to keep you from overreacting. Be still and know that I am God. God says, he's not trying to give you shoes, although I'm sure if God gave us shoes, that'd be awesome. But he says, I'm giving you the shoes of peace to keep you still. Because stuff's going to come. And you know what? If you can maintain a sense of calm when whatever comes, see, that peace comes from knowing that God's got you. That he, who he is, like all that, all that trust. When, and when you're at peace, you know what else you are? You have your eyes up and you are ready for whatever comes. I call it a peaceful readiness. Just sort of like calm, right? Like I'm just... I'm ready. I'm at peace. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I can see things. Life comes at you quick. God gives you the gift of his peace. He's not giving you shoes on him. He's giving you peace. And if we trust in him, we'll be ready for anything. He also gives us the shield of faith. Roman shields were roughly four feet long by about two feet wide, two and a half feet wide. So they were, they were kind of like, like rectangular. And essentially, the soldiers could kind of like cover their entire body behind them. It wasn't like just like a little round one. It was like long. It was, it was you know, like... It was, it was pretty, pretty comprehensive there. Covered most of them. Intended to block arrows. And what they would do is arrows were usually made of reed. And they would take reeds and they'd put uh, this tarry substance called pitch on the end of it. And they'd light it on fire. And so they mean f- literally flaming arrows. Sounds pretty cool. I, would, like, I wouldn't mind shooting one of those. But like, it sounds pretty cool. Archery had revolutionized war. Revolutionized warfare. Because for the very first time, a soldier could impact a battle that they were not physically in. Long-range artillery was the first. It was, it was revolutionary. You, I mean, we're talking hand-to-hand combat. And now you're telling me you can, you can impact the battle from distance? You know what that means? It means you can, you can shoot at people who don't even see you. You could shoot from, from being in a hiding spot, right? Here's the point. A shield provides safety when you have no idea where the attack is coming from. God says, I will give you faith, the assurance that I am trustworthy, so that not when, but not just if, but when the attack comes, because it's coming, 
You don't know when. You don't know where. You don't know from who. But if you just walk with me in faith, if you trust in me, you're going to be protected. Here's how that looks in our real life. Ready? When people disappoint you, faith says, but I know you won't, God. When life goes left, when you hope for right, faith believes God, yeah, but you're my guiding way. So this isn't what I expected, but I, I trust you. I stay here. I'm not going to let that throw me off. When things look hopeless, when you run out of steam, when anxiety and fear are at full power, when you just don't see how faith trusts that he makes a way even when there is none. See, faith. God gives us faith. Our part is simply trusting that he's good for it. And then he gives us the helmet of salvation. The Roman soldier's helmet was unique because it was the only piece of armor that they didn't put on themselves. It was placed on them. They, could, they couldn't put their helmet on, so it was placed on them. Salvation. We don't, it's, it, God gives it to us. He puts it on us. We receive it. It covers our head due to the size of the shield like we talked about. Um, it's kind of hard to see through a shield. So they'd have to peek up over, Right? Well, guess what's exposed when you peek over a shield? (laughs) Your head, which is why the helmet was so important. And God gives us this promise. As you look out into the battle, as you look to see what's going on, knowing that you are saved guards your mind from everything else that's out there. If you are saved, whom shall we fear? What can man do to me? I can see a mess. I'm looking over the shield going, the world is a mess right now. But you know what? I know who I am. I know who whose I am, I know where I'm going, I know that I'm saved, it changes things. We simply accept that. And then finally, he gives us the sword of the Spirit. It's the only offensive weapon in the entire arsenal. Everything else is meant just to guard you, protect you. This is the only offensive weapon. Before ever preaching a word in public, or before he did any miracles, Jesus went into the desert. We're told he fasted for 40 days. The enemy tried to get Jesus to to blow the whole thing, right? This was a battle for all time. He's tempting him, trying to get Jesus to disqualify himself, take a shortcut, and the devil even used scriptures to try to convince him, right? He manipulates the word of God, and we can do that sometimes. We can take the word of God and make it mean things that it doesn't actually mean. And Jesus repeatedly responded with his weapon. He said, hey, stop fighting back. I'm going to come back at you with that same word. He knew the scriptures. It was in his heart. And it says, Jesus, the devil would say, the word says this, and Jesus said, yeah, but it also says this. And he constantly fought back with that. He used it like a sword. God gives us his word. We just need to hide it in our hearts. That's it. So he's not actually giving you a sword. He's giving you the word of God. So here's the point. Here's the recap. How do we put faith in action and rely fully on God? Very simple. Throw off dark deeds. Stop doing what you know isn't right. And very simply, use what God said you're going to need. God has given you all the awareness of truth. So just uphold it. God has shown us what's right, so do it. He's given us peace, so stay ready. He's given us faith, so trust that it's going to be enough. He's secured salvation through Jesus, so just lean into him as your Savior. God has given us his word. We just need to hide it in our heart. It can sound simplistic, and honestly, I'm I'm writing this as I was writing this, and I, I even have it now. I wrote, I don't think I'm doing this justice. I feel like I'm just not getting this where I want it to be because it's just so much here. There's so much in here, but here's the point. Here's the point. Everyone who believes in Jesus is a winner. You get to win at life. 
Now, not yet fully, but it will be. But it's time to wake up because the day of salvation is coming. It's closer whether you're going to die or Jesus is coming back. Either day, one day, every day is one day closer to the day of days. And we feel like God's saying it's time to wake up and to live like you believe that. Stop doing what you know is not right. Simple. Stop doing it. And start doing the things that God said, I've given you for your good. It's not complicated stuff. God's not asking us to jump through hoops. He said, I'm giving you everything you need. Just, just receive it. I'm giving you this armor. Put it on. And if we're going to do that, at the end of the day, no matter how challenging the battle, you're going to be standing firm. Attacks are coming. You want to stand firm? You want to be ready on that day? We will find at every turn, no matter what life throws at us, no matter who tries to take you down, you're going to be ready for it. Because I'm telling you, if God gives us armor, it's, it's sufficient. It's enough. It's everything we need. You don't need more than that. You don't need something else. You don't need to go find more than what God has already given you to win. God's given you all you need to journey through this life with peace and joy and hope and love. And that stands out. That stands out. When people see you with some still feet, when people see you not getting impacted by all those attacks, why are you different? This world is a mess, and it's doing a number on so many people. How are you standing strong? It ain't me. I was given some armor, but good news is there's plenty in stock. <laughs> you can have some too. That's it. It's very simple. This is not a really fancy message. I don't have anything totally unique. You've probably heard every single word I've said here already. Probably uh, if you've been in church for any length of time, you've probably heard this message thousands of times. But it's never too late to hear it again. Because life continues to come at us. And we need to be reminded, at the end of every day, no matter how challenging the battle, God has given us everything we need to win. When people see you standing firm, they're going to be compelled to find out how. And that'll be your chance to just say, hey, let me introduce you to the God who gives us all that we need. So that's what I have for you. I'm going to call the band just to come back up one more time as we close. And uh, invite you just to bow your heads. We're just going to close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for your faithfulness, for your love. Lord, thank you that you haven't left us to try and do this in our own power. You didn't just tell us that, Lord, there's a, a goal out there, and if we work really hard, we'll get it. But, Lord, we just simply have to trust you and receive what you freely give us. Lord, forgive us for those times. We know what we're doing isn't right, and we do it anyway. Lord, it's time for us to stop playing with you, to stop playing games, to get serious. We feel like you're telling us it's time to wake up. I don't know what that means. I don't know. I don't know what. I'm not worried, not fearful, but Lord, you're telling us it's time to wake up. Perhaps. 
these last few years have lulled us into a type of complacency. Forgive us. God, I ask, would you in your goodness help us to shed all those dark deeds that cling to us like dirty clothes? Let us, let us put a mark in the sand and start anew today. Or let us cross a line today, say this is a day of new beginnings. Lord, we repent and we turn. We say no more will we continue to violate what we know is right. No more will we allow the enemy to, to just keep us from doing what we know is right, Lord. The enemy's not that powerful. Only if we let him. Lord, so instead, would we choose to put on truth? Would we choose to Lord, accept faith, peace, salvation, right living? Lord, help us to become acquainted with your word once again. Let us recognize that that is all we need to stand firm in this world. You are so good, and we thank you. It's in your good name we pray.